Hey friends, it's Rich here. A few weeks ago, we had our worship and creative conference and it was just fantastic. And we've been receiving a lot of emails and messages from you guys who attended online and who are part of it with us. Well, at the conference, we had a podcast session and I was able to host that with our friend Dallas Jenkins from The Chosen. Fantastic conversation. If you weren't a part of it, um, well, here's your opportunity. We're going to bring you that conversation today. And if you weren't a part of the conference, but you'd like to be next year, uh, let me encourage you to do that. Register now for next year because we're going to be in the room here in Sydney. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be online as well, but you can set aside those dates now uh, for next year. And uh, hopefully today's uh, interview will be a teaser for you, a little bit of a taste of what it will be like. And uh, for those of you who are a part of it with us, let's revisit it now. Check out the link in the show notes. And right now, let's jump into our podcast session from Worshiping Creative Conference. Well, hello and welcome to the Hillsong Creative Podcast session here at WCC. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. My name is Rich Langton, if you don't know me, and I'm so glad to be joining you for this session. I have the privilege of hosting the podcast and the session, and along with Cass Langton, my good wife, we get to pastor and lead our team. Today's going to be awesome. We have the amazing Dallas Jenkins, uh, who is the producer of The Chosen, uh, which is going to be fantastic. So stay with us. It's going to be great. Hey, I'm not sure if you listen to podcasts. I'm a big podcast listener. When I'm commuting, when I am traveling and getting to, you know, to work each day, hey, do me a favor. If you're a podcast listener, why don't you put in the chat the name of your favorite podcast? Go ahead. You do that now. I'd love to see it. Hey, and um, by the way, if your favorite podcast is the Hillsong Creative Podcast, I don't mind. You can write that. Um, but if it's not, that's fine too. Write your favourite podcast. I'd love to see it. Because um, the thing about podcasts is it seems like everyone has one these days, right? There's just so many of them. Um, if you look, at, as people start to write in the chat, you'll see that there's so many topics, so many conversations, there's so many podcasts. And so it begs the question, why on earth would we create our own podcast? Why would we, you know, jump into the millions and be a part of that? To be honest... That is a question that I ask myself uh, <laughs> quite regularly. Um, but originally when we started this, you know, the Hillsong Creative Podcast, we wanted it, um, it was really an extension of the conference here. Um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some, some people write in the chat. Yes, very good. Um, but it was an extension of the conversation that started here at WCC. And, and as it turns out, it's, it's become uh, really a place of diving deeper into the intersection between our faith and our creativity. It's become a conversation that's really surprised me a lot and it's delighted me and I know it's delighted many of you listeners and, and myself and JP who produces the podcast for it, we are amazed, we're constantly amazed at how God can take what seems to me like just, just seemingly insignificant offering of a podcast and, and He can, you know, in, in amongst millions of other podcasts and millions of other conversations and He can use it for His glory and for His benefit all over over the world. Here's the thing. You see, your creativity and my creativity, our, our little 
our offerings, the things that we think are insignificant and our faith, as little as it may be sometimes, it matters. And so it's important that we explore both of them. And, and you know what? The conversations are worth having. I believe they're God-ordained and He wants us to have them so we can encourage one another. Anyways, today, today we have the honour of speaking with someone who has become one of uh, my inspirations and I know an inspiration for many of you out there. I first learnt about this person when, um, when I heard about a crowdfunding project that raised over $10 million, $10 million. And it was the largest crowdfunding project a media project of all times. And it was for a TV show all about the life of Jesus. It doesn't happen every day, friends. And of course, I'm talking about The Chosen and I'm talking about Dallas Jenkins, who's the showrunner. And to me, really, he's the arrowhead of this project. If you've not heard of the show, it might be because it's not on Netflix and it's not on Apple TV, and you don't pay for it. It's free, and it's available through an app. And, um, you know, saying that you may not have heard of it, that's not to say it's not been an incredible success. It actually has been unbelievably successful. A little while back when Cass and I, um, we first watched the, pod, um, the show, um, Cass asked me to watch it and we'd heard about it and whatnot. And I, I thought I was actually a little bit sceptical about it, to be honest, because I thought it might, it might create this sort of flat 2D version of the Gospels. It might flatten Jesus and make him really boring. Or I thought maybe it would go the other way, you know, like the life of Brian or something. It might be a com- comedic thing or might, might ruin Jesus. It might not be faithful to Scripture. Sometimes these things can go either way. But then from that first episode, we sat down and I was so drawn into the characters and, and to the story. Uh, if you've seen it, you will know what I mean. Because the setting is believable and the, the acting is really good and the attention to detail is incredible. And um, if I'm honest, and uh, I think people who've seen the show will be the same. I wept through many of the episodes. Um, we just would sit there and just cry because the Jesus that's presented, it's the Jesus that I know. Makes me a bit emotional even thinking about it now. The show has helped me, I think, to love Jesus more, to want to read my Bible more and to get to know Him more. And there's so many moments that are like that in it. There's this one scene in the first season where, uh, where Nicodemus, he is, looking, uh, he is looking to Jesus and he meets Jesus at nighttime. And, and it's just like the Bible describes it. They gather, they have a conversation In fact, um, instead of me describe it, um, it's really John 3.16 come to life. Why don't we watch it now? I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. And from what? From sin, from spiritual death. God loves the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. 
Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Ah, uh, makes you want to watch some more, don't you? Uh, imagine being there. Imagine meeting Jesus. Imagine hearing, you know, the good news of John 3.16 in real life. Um, and it's not about Rome and it's not about empire, um, you know, crushing, but about love and forgiveness. I was watching the chat as, as you know, you were watching that clip and I see Lucy Mendez and I see others um, sharing about your love for this show. It's so good. Anyway, that, that clip, it ends in this climax where everything is coming together. Nicodemus, his eyes are open to who Jesus is and, and he has to decide whether he'll follow him, not just know who he is, but follow him. And the story and the music and the moment, it's all put together in such a magnificent way. And to be honest, it's just super impacting. And if you haven't watched it, um, don't go download it now because stick around. This is going to be awesome. Um, but afterwards, go grab the app. Just search for The Chosen. And uh, as, the, as Dallas says, binge Jesus. I love that. We binge all sorts of other things. Why not binge Jesus? Anyways, here's what I want you to catch though. While the show is amazing and it's brilliantly put together and it's having a huge impact for the Kingdom of God, this session isn't just about an, you know, an ad for a great TV show. It's not just trying to tell you how great a show is. There's something deeper I want you to catch that's really applicable to you and to me. See, the show is about to enter its third season. It's, it's had like 300 million views so far. But it didn't start from a place of triumph. It didn't start from a place of 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 hitting that high, but a place of failure and a place of surrender, a place where life looked like it was heading one way and then it took a complete, di- completely different turn. In life, we all know that that is how it goes, particularly after the last couple of years. You know, we, we have dreams, don't we? We have desires and we have plans. And yet God is the one who determines our steps. The very thing that we think is our ticket to success and and to fulfilling our dreams is sometimes not the thing that God has for us. It may not be that thing. And you know what? That is okay. God will get us to where He wants us to be. Now, with that said, I reckon we should jump into my conversation with Dallas because he has so much good stuff to say. And why don't you welcome him in the chat. Hey Dallas, well, it's so great that you'll join us for our Hillsong Creative Podcast session at our Worship and Creative Conference. Uh, Cass and I are big fans of The Chosen and of you, so I'm, I'm just honoured to be able to meet with you and chat with you today. Uh, you're speaking with creatives and uh, I guess they're songwriters, they're musicians, they're artists, but they're filmmakers as well. Uh, so we are people and uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so great. So for people that don't know The Chosen? Because I imagine there may be one or two uh, here in Australia or, or joining us for the conference. And I've heard a little bit about your story and about you getting to creating The Chosen, but I'd love it if you would take us back, you know, uh, to the beginning. You know, where did this all begin and how did you get it all going? Yeah, well, the reason I'm laughing is because the beginning of The Chosen was one of the worst moments of my life. It was the the biggest career failure I've ever had. So if you're watching and you're a creative who's either at the beginning of your career, I hope that what I have to share 
that you can learn some of the lessons before I had to learn them. Uh, and then if you've, you've experienced, if you've been a creative for a while, or if you've been in arts and media um, or music for a while, um, you've probably had something similar happen to you. Cause uh, unless, you know, unless I, I'm, of course, Hillsong has never struggled with anything. So maybe you guys can't relate to it, but, but uh, uh, I had an opportunity to do a feature film back in 2017 um, that de debuted in theaters here in the States on, in January. And uh, very long story short, um, it was the first time in my career, I'd been making movies for 20 years, but that Hollywood, uh, big studios had financed it, had co-produced it, uh, put it in theaters all over. I mean, it was a big deal. And I was a director with a very bright future. And the movie itself, we were very proud of. They were very excited about it. Uh, the reason I, I, was, I had such a bright future is because they wanted to make more movies with me, more faith-based movies with me, because this one had tested so well and there was so much anticipation for it. And then when it came out in theaters, it completely bombed. Um, and it bombed within the first couple hours. You can tell by the numbers how a movie is going to do. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, I knew that my career was forever changed. Um, I went from being a director with a very bright future to being a director with no future. And all these companies you know, that I was working with, these big, impactful Hollywood companies pulled out and uh, of future op op opportunities just because they you know, realized that this wasn't going to work. Mm. And I was home alone with my wife and I was crying and I was praying and I was confused. Mm. And um, I just remember at one point, my wife Amanda came to me and she said, God is laying on my heart so clearly, you know, not with an audible voice, but so as clear as if it were audible, mm. the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I've heard that story hundreds of times. Mm. And uh, we started to notice a couple of things we hadn't really noticed before. One of them was Jesus was responsible for the hunger of the people. Wow. So the thousands of people who were desperate for food, mm. so hungry that Jesus himself said, we can't send them home to get food. Mm. They're so hungry, they'll faint along the way. Mm. Why were they so hungry? Why were they so weak? Jesus did it. It was, he's the one who'd been talking for three days. Mm. He was responsible for the hunger. That necessitated what came left, what mm. came next. So he brought them to the place of desperation where the only thing left to satisfy their hunger was a miracle. So that comforted us in some ways. We thought, mm. okay, something impossible is going to happen and we're going to have this great story to tell. Mm. And that didn't happen. Mm. That night, the numbers didn't get any better. Mm. So I would remain confused. I was comforted by the fact that God seemed to be in it, but I didn't know what he was trying to tell me or what this really meant or what my future held. Mm. Because I'm a guy who always wants to know what's next. I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I'm an accomplisher. I'm a doer. Right. Uh, even when I fail, I want to understand it. So that night, I was up till four o'clock in the morning um, writing a 15-page memo all about what had gone wrong. Everything that I had done wrong, I was putting the blame on myself. Mm. I wasn't blaming anyone else. And I was trying to figure out, how do I make sure this doesn't happen again? And at four o'clock in the morning, a Facebook message popped up on my screen mm. Uh, the, from someone I've never actually met. You know, I still haven't actually met this person. Right. He just happened to be a Facebook friend. We'd talked maybe once a year. Didn't say hi, didn't say hello, didn't say heard about your movie. All he said was, remember, your job is not to feed the 5,000. Your job is to provide the loaves and fish. <laughs> and I honestly, for a moment, wondered if my computer had been recording what my wife and I had been saying that day. Because right. I'm like, how in the world could he know about the feeding of the 5,000? Like that's been on our brain all day long. It's all we've talked about. Mm. I haven't told anybody this yet. How did he know this? So I texted, I, I Facebook messaged him back and I said, 
what are you doing up at four o'clock in the morning? And he goes, well, I'm in Romania. I'm on a different time zone. And I said, uh, why did you tell me that? And he said, well, that wasn't me. God wanted me to share that with you. Wow. And the, the reason this still makes me emotional, even though I've told this story a hundred times, is because that man, Alex, was walking back from a grocery store and he said he looked up my movie because he was excited for it. He, mm. he, he had liked it and he was hoping it do well and he saw that it had failed. Mm. And he felt bad. And he was like, oh, I wonder you know, how Dallas is doing. Mm. And God, just like a bolt of lightning, made it so clear. Tell him it's not his job to feed the 5,000. Wow. And he was like, that's not something you really want to tell someone you barely know. That's like pretty presumptuous. Right. And God was like, tell him, tell him, just say it. He's like, Dallas isn't even awake right now. Mm. So he sent this message. Of course, he didn't expect me to respond immediately. And he listened to what God wanted for him. He listened to what God told him to say. And God used a person that I barely know mm. to remind me, mm. number one, he's there. He's paying attention. Mm. He has something for me. Yeah. He's, I'm not alone in this. Mm. I, wasn't, I, I wasn't abandoned. Mm. Um, but also, that message changed my life. Mm. That notion that all you are required to do mm. is to provide those loaves and fish. Mm. You bring them to God, and if he chooses to feed the 5,000 with them, mm. that's up to him. But the transaction between you and him is over. Yeah. You have done what he wanted you to do. Your job is to make sure that the lo those loaves and fish mm. are as healthy and as good as they can possibly be. Mm. And that is your job. You do have a responsibility. We don't just go, all right, God, feed 5,000 people. Mm. He did ask for loaves and fish to start with. Mm. And when it came time to distribute the loaves and fish, he had the disciples do their part. He had them do everything they didn't need him for. That the only thing left was what only he could do. Mm. And that's true in art. It's true in ministry. It's true in music. It's true in what I do mm. is... We do our best. We do do our part. We make sure that we make good loaves and fish. That's what yeah. this conference is about. You want to come away from this conference a better baker of loaves and a provider of fish than you were before you came. Yeah. But ultimately, the success or failure, the impact, even ministry-wise, mm. is not up to you. Mm. And you need to get to that point. And when you do, when you realize that, when you got to the point that I got to in that moment, where I didn't care if I never, if I ever made another movie, mm. I just wanted to be in God's will. I just wanted to make the best loaves and fish that I could. It becomes a superpower mm. because you realize, I don't care what people say. I don't care about YouTube comments. I don't care about the numbers. Mm. I genuinely don't care. So when The Chosen came to be, mm. when the opportunity came to crowdfund mm -hmm. The Chosen, which is a ridiculous idea, I thought would never work. I didn't think it would have any possibility because we needed a lot of money to do The Chosen. When we crowdfunded and we shattered the all-time crowdfunding record and generated over $10 million for season one from 19,000 people around the world, it was very easy for me to say, yeah, this wasn't me doing that. Mm. I made some loaves and fish. I did a short film for my church on my friend's farm in Illinois, 20 minutes from my house. And that ended up exploding and going viral and generating all this money for season one. But that, me taking credit for that would be as stupid as the boy who provided the five loaves and two fish coming home and saying to his parents, look, I fed 5,000 people today. That would be ridiculous. Right. Um, the boy provided what Jesus used. To and do that, and so. what, what strikes me is your authenticity and even the emotion that comes through because it feels like... Um, Obviously, that was a very meaningful time and it's still with you now. Um, I've appreciated watching some of your content on your YouTube channel and for our people watching, you should check out the Chosen YouTube channel. Um, but, um, but just how... Um, you haven't grabbed hold of the success and made it your own. You often will say, um, "This I continue to do a, create a, a show that's better than I am. 
Um, how have you done that? And how have you not gone, oh, yeah, of course, I was just waiting for my big break and this is it and now it's all about me. How do you remain yeah. humble in that? Well, shame on me if I ever learn, if I forever forget the lesson that I learned in that moment of biggest failure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because it really is about um, that message that he gave. And 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 what's what's funny is on on January twentieth, twenty seventeen, mm. if you wanted to, you know, act out how God was speaking to me, mm. you would say, "Oh, Dallas, remember." It's not your job to feed the five thousand. It's only provide the loaves and fish. It would have been said. It was. It was a very encouraging, gentle, mm. heartfelt message to me that mm. to, to, in order to make me feel better. Mm. Now the message comes. Uh, Dallas, remember, it's not your job to feed the five thousand. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. Yeah. It's, it comes in a much more um, corrective way, you know, or a directive way. Mm. And um, I. I think the re the reason that I'm able to maintain this posture of surrender and brokenness is not because I'm anyone special. Um, quite the opposite. The bigger the show gets, the more I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not capable of that. If I was capable of that, I would have done it earlier. Right. You know, like like this this is God waiting. I believe that when I got broken and when I came to the Lord for the first time in 20 years of my career, and I said, okay, God, all right. I don't have to dictate my steps. I don't have to choose what I do. I'm willing to just be in your will. And if that means never making another movie or show, I'm good with that. Yeah. And then he was like, now you're now you're ready for the chosen. Right. And so I have to maintain that posture. So when the chosen does all these incredible things that are bizarre, that it's in every country in the world, that's translated in 50 languages, that people who are five years old tell me, or their, their parents will tell me that their five-year-old wants to watch every episode of the show, mm. two seasons, 16 episodes. Mm. This show isn't for kids. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. The show's complex. It's like, an, it's like an adult-themed show with all these complex storylines, and yet God is removing the veil. He's removing the scales from the eyes, yeah. and he's breaking down religious barriers. Catholics, LDS folks, Greek Orthodox, atheists, agnostics, and then within the evangelical world, you know, I mean, as you guys know more than anyone, there, there's 9,000 different denominations and yeah. they all argue and they all, you know, some of them have things to criticize for each other. And they're all seem to be unifying behind this show. I'm not capable of that. Mm. God is doing something special. And if I ever get to the place where I think, oh, wow, cool, man, <laughs> you know, 300 million views, wow. It's just, it'd be so stupid. Yeah. And so I have a wife who's not going to ever let me get there. I have people around me who are not going to let me get there. Yeah. And honestly, this is a weird thing to say. The success of the show doesn't let me get there yeah. because it's just so stupid to think mm. I'm good enough mm. to, to, to do something that can result in this. This is mm. God's work. I, I still have a responsibility. It's still hard to make a good show. Right. I still worked really hard to get to this point. I still have to write on a blank page and the blank page doesn't give a rip how season two was or how successful uh, the app has been, I still have to deliver. I still have to provide five loaves and two fish, but it really does become pretty easy to remember yeah. that I'm not responsible for this, right. considering all that's happened. Yeah, you mentioned um, that the, there's been almost um, pretty close to 300 million views already, and you have a goal of reaching a billion people now, um, which yeah. I think is <laughs> crazy, but seems like it's um, getting more and more possible. Uh, it's on an app, um, it's free, uh, it's crowdfunded, all of these things that, that you would say are impossible and are in a sense miraculous and point to the fact that obviously God is moving through it. And one other thing that I think is interesting about the show is 
Um, I read somewhere that that perhaps 95% of the content is not actually from the Bible. Um, and so when I watch it, uh, that struck me um, as something that's really interesting. Um, but for, for our creatives watching, uh, I, I think there's really something interesting in that, uh, A, you haven't shied away from making something very overtly Christian. It's it's very overtly about the authentic Jesus and trying to portray him. Um, but you've done it in this creative way, which creates um, context, if you like, for what we read in scripture. Was that something that you had to struggle with when you when you first thought about it? Did you want to just write a great story that, that supplemented the Bible in a sense, gave people context for the Bible? Or, or what were you trying to achieve? You know, because often when you watch uh, Christian entertainment, if you like, or Christian movies, they're very much, they, they stick to just the letter of the, the Bible and that's, I guess, to avoid some criticism and to, be, and to also be accurate. Uh, but you've managed to, to write more and remain somewhat accurate. Ha, tell us about that and tell us about that in the context of us making art. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you've covered a lot of ground there and it's all very, very important. Um, it, when it comes to the fact that 95% of the content isn't actually from the Bible, I say that a lot because I want people to understand They'll say things like, uh, wait, season two seemed to be, you know, there were some scenes that seemed to be less from the Bible than season one. And I'll just go, I'll go guys, from moment one of, of the show, 95% of the content isn't from, from, from the Bible. Uh, the first four episodes, uh, there's probably like two Bible stories in there. And people seem to forget that. I, and I think that's actually a, a good thing in the sense that the, it, it feels biblical because I love the Bible. I love the I love God's word. I believe it's God's word. This isn't mm. a show being made by someone who's trying to say something new or trying to rewrite anything. Mm. Um, and I do believe that that um, it's very important for you watching right now to know that this is not a replacement for the Bible. Mm. Um, the Bible is the Bible. This is not adding to the Bible. Your Bible has not changed since the chosen came out. The Bible remains the Bible. That is God's word. We have not seen one person, not one who's ever said, now because of the chosen, I can watch the chosen to get my Bible. I don't need to read the Bible anymore. What we've heard from tens of thousands of people mm. on a monthly basis is I'm reading the Bible more than ever mm. because of the show. And now the Bible feels like it's in color when before it was maybe in black and white to me. Mm. So the reason I say all that is to provide context for what I'm about to say, which is the fact that when I started to do the show, I recognized there was already movies that are verse-by-verse -verse reenactments of Scripture. Mm. That's been done many times, mm. and it's been done well at some times, and it's been done poorly at other times. Yeah. But in all of those times, it's it has felt like I don't know, the wrong medium. Like the Bible is the Bible. It's meant to be read. It's meant to be explored. It's meant to be a, a source of uh, your relationship with God. It's how God speaks to you. And I believe in that sincerely. The chosen is not the Bible. And so when you try to take the Bible and just reenact it and put it on screen, mm -hmm. um, I've personally found, I can't speak for everybody, to be very lifeless. Mm -hmm. Like it feels literary. It feels like I'm just reading the Bible just happens to be on screen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I actually have a better experience if I'm just reading it by itself than I do if I'm watching these words. You'll sometimes hear a narrator, mm -hmm. you know, say it, and he's got, the, he's got a British accent. And he's, <laughs> Always, he's, yeah. You know, it's very formal, and Jesus um, is very boring, mm -hmm. um, and it just all feels very stiff and mm -hmm. distant. And so 
I decided from the beginning that that's just not what I'm doing. This is a show about the people of first century Galilee. Mm. There have been many other historical dramas. So what we're doing is we're saying, look, when we show scripture, we're not changing it. Um, when you get to those great Bible stories if, that are from scripture, we're not going to try to come at them with some brand new uh, uh, portrayal. But what we're doing is we're creating using historical context, cultural context, and just our human experience and imagination to connect you to the people of 2,000 years ago. Mm. I believe that if you can see Jesus through the eyes of those who actually met him, you can be changed and impacted in the same way they were. Mm. Their questions, if you can identify with their questions, if you can identify with their doubts, their concerns, their struggles, their pain, their sin, mm. then you can identify with the solution and the answer to those struggles mm. and to that sin and to their questions. Mm. And the answer, of course, is Jesus. Mm. So I can't, before you see the show, convince you that, no, I'm I promise you this is going to be faithful to Scripture. You have to see it for yourself, and because it's free, it just, you, know, you don't have to contribute anything if you don't want to, yeah. or if you're doubtful of it. But what I think you've responded to, and what I think we're hearing from people all over the world is, mm. there's something about the show that even when it's not scriptural, it feels scriptural. Yeah. It feels plausible. Mm. And that's because I am coming at this from a love of scripture, mm. a love of Jesus, and I never want to, in the show, contradict the character or intentions of Jesus in the Gospels. Mm. And again, I'm giving a long answer to your question, but it's because this is so important. Yeah. How this translates to artists is, I love what you said in your question about how sometimes we feel like, well, we need to tone down our message because we don't want to offend people mm. or we don't want to turn people off from the message. The Chosen is, by definition, the most Christian show ever made right. because it's about Christ. I mean, it's in the word Christian. Mm -hmm. It's about Jesus. We show you the Bible. We show you Jesus' sermons. Right. But it has been more appealing to agnostics and atheists than most projects that I've come across mm. because of the fact that we are just focused on telling the best story that we can. And if you do that, then it's, it, I don't believe it's, it's the message that has offended people mm. of previous uh, movies or songs or anything that has turned people off. Mm. It's when you're not telling the truth. And sometimes we over-sentimentalize things. We we shy away from mm. reality. We shy away from authenticity. Mm. And I think people can tell when you're trying to be safe. Yeah. And I think you just have to be authentic. And when authenticity includes your story, your personal story of, mm. of life change from Jesus Christ, mm. it doesn't offend people. Mm especially if it's good. Mm. So just concentrate on making the best thing you can and concentrate on telling the story that God puts on your heart. I promise you, I never think at all about the audience when I do The Chosen. Yeah. I don't think about who it's going to turn off or who it's going to appeal to. Mm. Um, I just think solely about what God wants me to do and making the best show that I can. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about earning moments. I, I watched uh, one of your videos where you talk about the season finale for season two and and sort of uh, in a previous episode, earning that that moment that you're getting to of the the Sermon on the Mount, and um, one of those moments for me that um, was really impactful, and I didn't even realize uh, what you were doing when I watched it, um, was uh, Jesus meeting Nicodemus, um, and really it's the John three sixteen moment. I, I can remember like. Um, even now it makes me a little emotional also because I can remember sitting on my couch and just weeping at that moment because you had you had led me to this um to this meeting of Nicodemus and now like you said in your in the previous answer to that question where uh the Bible and that moment of Nicodemus and Jesus meeting at nighttime um 
so much more real um, uh, right. as a result of watching that. So my, my question really is about earning moments, but also in, in you yeah. being open to sharing what God is doing with others and, and not just holding your craft so tightly to yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're using the best example, I think, of, of, of our desire to earn a moment, which is John chapter 3 is the most famous chapter in the Bible. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. And we, from the beginning, knew that that was going to come near the end of the season. And so, uh, with anything with The Chosen, whether it's excuse me, whether it's the end of episode one of season one, which has uh, the ending of that episode, which is, which is when Jesus calls Mary by name and, and, uh, and, and redeems her uh, to, to date the most impactful moment in the show's history. Um, we, we, we find what that moment is and then we work our way backwards to earn it. And by earning it, I mean, if you don't establish what the stakes are, if you don't establish what the question is, if you don't establish what the problem is, where this person, this character needs to get to, you have to first show what their struggle is, what they're missing, so that when they get to the place where the answer arrives, it's that much more meaningful. And that's what I'm trying to do with The Chosen is uh, you know by the time we get to episode seven, you know what Nicodemus's questions are, you know what's in his heart. And here's the most important thing, you are identified with it. You're like, He's me. Mm-hmm. He has questions like I have questions. Mm-hmm. Or Matthew, the tax collector. I feel outcast. I feel ostracized. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus comes along and calls Matthew to follow him, even though Matthew is such an outcast, mm-hmm. the outcast who's watching goes, oh, maybe that's for me too. Mm-hmm. And the emotional impact of those moments mm-hmm. and the spiritual impact of those moments mm-hmm. is so much more, so much stronger mm-hmm. when you have caused the viewer to see the struggle mm-hmm. and the, the struggle has to be authentic. Yeah. If you skip over that, it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. You can for sure get someone to cry if you just kind of skip to the end sometimes, but it's always surface level and it's always quickly forgettable. Mm-hmm. If you take the time to earn it and set it up properly, that's when it really becomes something that is transcendent mm-hmm. and it's sticky and the change is that much more uh, impactful in your life. Mm. As we've been talking about, I love how you are so open-handed and you've included so many people and I guess have to include so many people in the process because you can't film this thing on your own. There's hundreds of, um, you know, behind-the-scenes people who contribute and who are all playing their part in making The Chosen happen. And then Kaylin was um, someone who, who was watching right. the show and uh, was a cello player. But just to yeah. give us a glimpse. Yeah, so on our YouTube channel, and I, I, this is especially important for creatives because uh, our, our chosen YouTube channel has dozens, I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, dozens and dozens of videos that take you very, in very much detail behind the scenes. Mm. So if you are a film student, um, I do these videos because I wish that I would have had them when I was young or when I was starting it. Or even if you've been doing it for a while, there's something you can learn because mm. I'm telling you what I'm learning. Mm. So uh, we have a lot of behind the scenes content that I think will really bless you and also educate you. Yeah. But one of the videos we have is about a girl who's on the autism spectrum. She really connected with Matthew, the tax collector, who we create, uh, we portray in the show as being on the spectrum. And she's a musician. And she just said, you know, I'd love to contribute in some way. And we thought, all right, let's do that. So she came out to Nashville, and you can see in this video, she plays the cello in the key emotional and musical moment of that John 316 scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's just this really cool, you know, you wouldn't have known it if you didn't see the video, but it's just this, I think, a beautiful contribution 
to that moment. And I think it's made especially beautiful that it was contributed by someone with special needs who uniquely connected with the show in the way that so many people are, mm. which is that their struggles are my struggles. Mm. Yeah. I watched that video and um, had a second moment with that scene because <laughs> I was so touched by by her contribution and the fact that you would allow her to do that. And I think sometimes we as creatives and artists, we, we um, hold so tight to what it is that God's put in our hand that we won't let people almost participate in it and and it 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 sucks the life out of the um the the thing that we're trying to do and, and instead if we're open-handed then then God can multiply it's a, like what you're saying multiply those the fish and and the loaves um and use it in other people's other people's lives and and do miracles i guess if you had to if you had to think about the chosen and you, and you look at the Jesus that's you know in the chosen and hopefully the authentic Jesus of Scripture, is there something that you have taken away personally uh, from that Jesus that's been revealed about Him as a result of doing this project? Yeah, and I think it's what I what I hope people get out of it when they watch it um, and what we're hearing uh, is happening in their lives. Jesus was about the personal. Uh, even though he did a a miracle of the 5,000, that was actually relatively rare. His miracles, Mm -hmm. his callings, Mm -hmm. his his challenges were always unique to the person Mm -hmm. that he was talking to. He knows your need, he knows your heart, and he speaks Mm -hmm. to that directly. Mm -hmm. You even look at it in the way that he called Nathaniel, the way that he called Philip, the way that he called Matthew, the way that he spoke to Nicodemus. It was always directly to them personally. And so God's word is meant to be digested in that way. Even when you feel like it's, sometimes you'll be listening to a sermon and there's 30 different people who will all feel like it was directed to them. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening with the show because Jesus speaks to you personally. He will remove the scales from your eyes Mm. to get that message that you need. Mm. And that's what I've been learning more than anything is that the show uh, itself is not we don't care about the the, the numbers. You know, even when we mentioned the goal of reaching a billion people, but God doesn't care about that. Like, I'm not doing this to reach a billion people. Mm. I'm doing this to reach what God wants me to to communicate. I'm doing this to reach each individual's heart, but to to let Jesus do that. And that's the thing about Jesus, the authentic Jesus that has reached me so much in doing the show Mm. is he's about the personal. And so my, my relationship with Jesus Mm. has immensely grown by doing this project. Mm. And then that's one of the reasons why I share it. It's why I tell my story Mm -hmm. is I want you to participate in this process Mm -hmm. and for you to know, not that it matters what Dallas Jenkins thinks, but if you know that Dallas Jenkins is also being broken and surrendered Mm -hmm. throughout this process, Mm. then I hopefully it invites you into that same process. Yeah, that's fantastic. Dallas, thank you so much. Thank you for, uh, I guess, being faithful to do what what God's put in your hand to do. Thank you for um, looking past the failure of that 2017 thing and and allowing God to... um, speak to you because I believe that not only the movie, you know, the TV show, The Chosen, not only is that impactful, but I believe your life is being impactful as you do things like this and as you allow people to participate in what it is that God's doing. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for your time today. Thank you. God bless you. He performs miracles and seeks no credit. What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. 
then the thing that happened in between was him. I love that scene so much. How great is Dallas? That was so great. Um, I hope that you found that conversation super inspiring as much as I have. And um, I just want to thank Dallas so much for being a part of WCC and sharing his journey with us. Why don't you thank him in the chat? I saw, uh, Roz, you said that maybe I would make a good disciple. I don't know, maybe Dallas and I can hook something up for season three or something. Anyways, hey, Dallas said a lot of great things and I'd be disappointed if I didn't emphasize some of those things. And if we didn't take them on board and, and really apply them to our own lives. So grab out your phone or somewhere to write these down, or maybe watch this back later and grab these five things. Here's five key takeaways that I think we need to remember as Christian creatives. Number one, remember what our job is as Christian creatives. Dallas said, it's not your job to feed the 5,000, it's your job to provide the loaves and fishes. Obviously that was for his life, but I, th I think friends, that is, that is for us as well. Let's not get caught up in the success of our creativity and our art. Let's get caught up on where we feel, let's not get caught up on where we feel that our creativity should be taking us. You know, like he said, we have the responsibility um, to just do our part and, uh, and allow God to do His part, allow Him to worry about the success or the failure. And if we can learn anything from Dallas's story, it's that even when we fail, even when we're at our worst and we've hit rock bottom, God still has good plans for us. So don't give up, friends. No matter where you find yourself, keep making the very best loaves and fishes that you can make. Okay, number two. Remember who it is that determines our steps. Like I said, you know, um, it's God who determines them. And friends, we have to remain faithful and humble no matter what, whether we're failing or succeeding. Keep trusting God even when you're not, where you know in your heart you really wanna be. Dallas talked about the tone of the Holy Spirit changing from one of encouragement to one of direction and correction. And so for us, I think a reminder is to listen to the Holy Spirit and in Him, allow Him to direct and correct and to guide us and work hard in it all. But let's measure our success by the right things, by faithfulness and not by our fame, hey? Okay, number three, remember to use the right medium for the task. Dallas, um, you know, like Dallas, um, Let's not tone down the message of the gospel. I think that's something that we can, we need to be really careful about as, as creatives. We need to use the right medium for the task at hand so we can bring out the colours and the nuance of Scripture without changing it or shying away from the truth that it reveals. All of us, you know, each one of us has different gifts and talents. And so with that in mind, I can imagine, I, I can imagine the gospel um, being creatively displayed everywhere that people turn in all sorts of different ways. Imagine the goodness and the grace of God just kind of bursting out of train stations and of office buildings and, and, and all the places that people go, the right creative expression at the right time in the right place. I think together that we can do that. So let's surprise people how, with how good God is, how good Jesus is by using the right medium. Number four, let's remember to earn the moments. 
earn the moments. I loved it when Dallas talked about that. You know, you might not be a filmmaker or a storyteller, but we, all of us, we still have to earn moments, right? With our lives and with our creativity. And so I was thinking, what does that actually look like? What does it look like in your life to earn moments? It looks like working hard at your craft so that people can't help but ask questions. It looks like sharing the true and authentic Jesus in new and surprising ways. And it looks like being faithful to Scripture, but dreaming up and imagining new ways of sharing it. How incredible could that be? You know, when people interact with you and your creativity, it needs to be worth their time. I think that sometimes we presume on God. So let's not do that. Let's not just expect God to compensate for our kind of second best. But instead, let's, let's use every opportunity to share great art. Let's earn the opportunities and share those stories with the world. And number five, remember, without no, truly knowing Jesus, you can't truly share Jesus. I'm not sure about you, but Dallas strikes me as someone, uh, even in his emotion, that he genuinely knows Jesus. He loves Jesus. Seems to me he loves Scripture and he seems to me that he's, he's doing his very best to share that authentic Jesus and the Jesus that he knows with other people. He's a believer and yet he's combining that belief with his creativity. He's not just creating a great TV show for the sake of it. And it's not somehow separate to his faith. It's not just because he wants, I guess, a job or he needs to make great content or he's trying to get some YouTube subs. <laughs> no, I, don't, I actually don't think it is. And I think we need to do the same thing. Our faith, our creat creativity, they both matter. And I think we need to combine them. We need to share them. We need to tell great stories. We need to make great art. So let's create from a place of knowing Jesus for those who are yet to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, well, I hope you have enjoyed our creative podcast session here at WCC. I hope it's been inspiring and I hope you've um, gotten a bunch out of it and you can apply some stuff to your life. Again, would you thank Dallas in the chat for me? He's a good man and I think we should encourage him in what he's doing. And if you'd like to continue this conversation with me and the Creative Podcast, then why don't you head over, search for the Hillsong Creative Podcast and subscribe, be a part of it with us. And throughout the year, we can continue the conversation. Alrighty, as we wrap up, we have one little sneak peek of what Dallas and the Chosen team have been working on for Christmas. I think you're going to love it. See you soon. Do you know where Luke is? I didn't tell him everything. Go tell it on the mountain. Joseph, we can't keep looking. He's coming. Over the hills and everywhere. Uh, Eddie, are you seeing this? It's time. Go. Lord. 
and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Remember what your messenger said, the first thing. Don't be afraid. That Jesus Christ is People must know. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it, hope that it's really useful to you. If the podcast is useful and helpful to you, if you're enjoying it, then I'd love to invite you to share it on social media or maybe to text it, you know, share a link with a friend. Uh, if you tag Hillsong Creative at Hillsong Creative, uh, maybe we'll repost you, I don't know. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're not yet subscribed, let me just take this opportunity to Uh, invite you to do that as well you'll get notified of new episodes whenever they're released also if you haven't heard we've launched a brand new podcast called the praying through the bible with hillsong creative it's designed to help you get more out of the word of god in your daily life so i'd encourage you to search hillsong creative or praying through the bible subscribe to that one too and of course obviously rate it and let us know how you're enjoying that one too well thanks again for being part of us and with us on the journey and we'll talk to you next time